So uh, today is the first part of a five-part sermon series called Five Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. These are literally things that I picked out that I wish Jesus never said because they're hard or they're difficult to understand. So um, Augustine, um, by the way, a professor told me that Augustine is the grass, Augustine is the saint. So, (laughs) Saint Augustine wrote, if you believe what you like in the Gospels and reject what you don't like, it is not the Gospel that you believe, but yourself. And so, that means that we have to struggle with these things that we don't like, or we have to struggle with these things that are hard. And so this sermon series is um, me sort of publicly struggling with these things that Jesus said that I just kind of shake my head and say, gosh, I wish you didn't say that. Because it's hard, or it's hard to understand, or it's scary. So there was a farmer, and he was out in the field talking with God, And he was telling God how much he loved him. He's telling God that he would give him whatever he had. He he would give him a million dollars. That he would give all of his treasures to him if he just had some treasures. And God responded, well, those are all well and good, but how about a pig? And the farmer goes, wait a minute. I have a pig, that can be us. That can be us. We can talk about how much we love God. We can talk about how much we want to do for God. But when it comes time to walk the walk, we can say, wait a minute, that's going to cost me something. I have a pig to give. I have something else to give. We can find ourselves being like that farmer. So when I say the term Christian family, what immediately comes into your mind? For me, it's like a Norman Rockwell painting, maybe everybody all sitting at the dinner table, perfect parents, perfect children, their hands folded, right? Kind of soft edges around the the picture. That ain't no Christian family I know. I know lots of Christian families, and there are children that rebel, children that disobey. There are parents that are imperfect, that are doing the best that they can, and they make mistakes. Um, It's just real life in Christian families. Being a Christian family doesn't exempt you from mistakes or anything else that happens out there in the world. It doesn't. Christian families are dealing with big issues just like others. Hopefully, as a Christian family, we can deal with it better because we have a foundation. Today's text, Jesus talks about setting a son against his father. Now, when I read this a few weeks ago, kind of preparing for this, I immediately went to a time when I was a young teenage boy 
and uh, my father and I both played racquetball. And, and so I wanted to beat him so badly. And we were so competitive. Finally, I think first time I beat him, I was like 15, maybe 16. I beat him and I was so excited. There was this level of competitiveness. Um, I don't know if you've ever played racquetball, but to, to really play it effectively, you have to control the center of the room. And we were so competitive, if we couldn't get it to the wall, we just hit the other person with the ball because then it's a do-over. That's not what Jesus is talking about when he says setting father against son. But when I read that, I had this moment that I just wanted to share with you. What Jesus is talking about in this is that I am here and you're going to be asked to make some choices. We're going to ask you to do some things that maybe differentiate you from others. Maybe even your family. So our text today comes from Matthew. It's chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. And this particular um, passage, all of really chapter 10, is full of really difficult teachings. Talks about um, the cost of discipleship. Talks about persecutions to come. And in this one that we're going to read, Jesus says, I am here, and because I am here, I'm going to separate families. So here's the, hear these words. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake, they will find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. So when I was in seminary, I took... Um, a course on the Gospel of Matthew. And my professor um, had a Bible that he had had his entire life. I mean, his entire adult life. And he had written a lot of notes in there, in pencil, next to verses. And he shared when we talked about this text, he put a little asterisk by it, and he said, that's a hard word. And to his credit, he didn't try to sort of recast what Jesus said. He, he, he really presented it to us as, this is a hard word. And Jesus, in this case, is in fact giving us a hard word. Now let me just clear the deck here. Jesus is not saying he's anti-family. He's not against families. We'll talk more about what Jesus is saying, but we look in the Gospel of Matthew in the 19th chapter, and he talks about a man leaving his family to, to be with his wife. I mean, Jesus understands family. Jesus had a family. 
He, he understands it. So, so don't read this and say, Jesus is against families. That's not true. But, but what Jesus is saying, that, that I have come, and those who choose to follow me, it may cost you something. It, it may cause some separation in your family. The act of someone accepting the good news of salvation may very well separate them from their family in some form or fashion. And this isn't new. This has been around for since Jesus asked us to choose him, right? There, there is an ancient account that you can find on the internet. It's the martyrdom of Perpetua and Felicitas. And they were in Africa. And the particular leader there was persecuting Christians. And Perpetua and Felicitas and about four other people had been caught up and were on trial for being Christians. And, and really, they weren't really anxious to kill Christians. They would give you lots of opportunity to recant. They, they give you lots of opportunity to say, uh, no, I really don't believe that anymore. And Perpetua had just had a child. And her greatest pain in her martyrdom was being separated from her child. But her father would come to see her. And there's one scene in which he just begs her to recant. He, he says, please, just, just recant. You've got this beautiful child, and you need to be here to take care of this child. Just, just say you're not a Christian. And she points at a picture that was sitting on the table and said, what is this? And he said, well, it's a picture. And she said, well, can you call it anything else and have it be something else? Of course not. It's a picture. She looked at her father and said, I am a Christian. I can be nothing else but a Christian. And she went on to a martyrdom that is told somebody picked up her account. Most of this was written by her hand. And then somebody picked it up to, to read about her and her four friends' martyrdom. In that time, there were lots of martyrs. And one of the things that, that became common for them to say is this. Christianus sum. It's Latin for I am a Christian. Us choosing to be followers of Jesus Christ comes with a cost. It comes with a need to love Christ more than anything. And this is not just something that happened in the ancient days. This is happening today in places. I mean, I've talked to people who became Christians and their atheist family said, we're done with you. 
It's happening in China. People are being persecuted for their beliefs. I went to seminary with a, a Pakistani Christian. His parents had cut off all contact with him because he chose to follow Jesus. So you look at this text, this idea that Jesus comes with a sword, that this would have kind of scratched the Jewish people's itch because, because they were expecting the Messiah to come and be like a military conqueror, to free them from the Roman occupation. The words that Jesus are saying about family here come from the book of Micah. So, so Jesus is using his scripture to talk about this. In Micah 4, 7, 4, sorry, we, we get that those who have no faith, your time is at hand. And then you get to 7, 6, and it says, for the, it treats the father with contempt. The son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies are members of your household. That Jesus is using his scripture to, to sort of illumine the fact that, that I am here, choices will need to be made. The day is at hand, and I am here, and if you choose me, things will happen. Things will happen because you choose me. Jesus is telling us that to have our family be more important than our love for God makes us not worthy. That's a hard word, especially in our culture, right? I mean, we have this love of our children that sort of dominates everything. And honestly, it feels weird to say, I love God more than I love my own children. But it's what Jesus calls us to do. And I will tell you, the truth of it is, th those moments where I get the order right, where I love God more than I love my own family, all my relationships are better. When I have the order right of God and family, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. Hopefully, I'm a better grandfather. I get it. It feels so weird to say, I love God more than my children. But, but it's what Jesus is asking us to do. But let me remind you, folks, love is not a zero-sum game. You don't run out of it. You always have more love. It's not like I can be out of love. It's not like my wallet. My wallet gets empty. 
but love does not. We, we can always have more love in our life. So, so this is not some zero-sum game where you can run out. Jesus tells us to pick up our cross. That, that means for you to decide every morning that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And God has called me to put things in my life in this order. Love God, love family. It feels weird. I get it. But this is a hard word, folks. Jesus is telling us what his expectation is of us as followers. In particular, I want to make a challenge to fathers to try this. It's really a challenge for all of us, but, but dads, I want you to especially try this. To try putting them in the right order. To love God and then your children and family. I believe that you will find that you're a better at everything if you have them in the correct order. It's a hard word. That's why I wish Jesus didn't say it. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. And yet, Jesus said it. And so it's ours to wrestle with. It's ours to struggle with. It's ours to try to live up to, to love God more than anything. It's a hard word. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we read this text Frankly, it sort of shocks our sensibilities. How can I love anything more than my family? But we are called. We are called to love you more than them. Help us to endeavor to accomplish that. Help us to love you as you have loved us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.